0: The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Washington.
1: Welcome back to Jabers Rink Radio. I'm your host Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Stephen Pepper and Kevin Klein to recap the Capitals' first ever Stanley Cup championship, which is uh, really exciting to say, guys. I, I know that uh, we're all really pumped here that this is uh, this day is real. You know, we're we're really experiencing this. Um, Kevin, I, I know you're kind of now just getting woken up here on the West Coast, but uh, how are you feeling?
0: I'm uh, I'm a little dehydrated. And extremely happy. Uh, I'm. I don't really think that it's hit me yet. The, um, the, the full weight of the fact that Alex Ovechkin and the stint and the Washington Capitals are, are Stanley Cup champions. But, um, definitely a little extra spring in my step this morning. Uh, I don't. I don't really know how to put words to how I'm feeling yet. But uh, I will tell you that I cried last night and more than a little bit. <laughs> so uh, how about you've
2: yeah, I mean, I I you you said it. I I feel somewhat in disbelief. I am, you know, I'm I'm walking confidently around, around the streets of New York here, feeling feeling proud for my team. I I really find it hard to 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 process that it's happened. Um, you know, like many fans of DC Sports, uh and I guess, of those that are my age, you have a maybe some memory of the ninety one super Bowl championship, and for me personally, I went to University of Maryland, so the two thousand and two basketball championship it was meaningful, and that that felt special. But I, I've never felt anything like this before in in quite this way, and it's just, uh, yeah, I'm still in disbelief. When I saw Ovechkin hoist the cup, I felt like I was watching, I felt like I was playing an EA Sports game, and I had just made that up, and this was the, you know, my, my fantasy of the Capitals winning the Stanley Cup, and it took me a while to, to realize that it, it, it is fucking for real, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I, I'm still kind of going back and, like, the- looking at the, the footage from last night, you know, uh, you know, been listening to NHL Network Radio all day, been trying like to kind of watch highlights a few times, and, and it, I still just, it does not quite hit me 100% that this is, uh, you know, the Capitals won. I mean, it it, it feels great, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, guys. I, I don't have a bit of a loss for words, and it's not like I won it, the cup or anything. It's just a guy who watches the team, uh, you know, Religiously, so it's pretty great.
0: Well, I want to know is where is all the damn content from the league? I stayed up so late last night, like expecting that that um, the video from the locker room was going to come out, that the post game press conferences were going to come out. Like we saw, um, we saw pictures of O.E. At, at a press podium with uh, Stanley Cup on one side and the con Smythe on the other side of him, I want to watch that. There's so much I want to watch that I've seen in little snippets and stuff that seems like it something that I would have expected to be released that I think probably would have been released in other leagues, right? We always get a steady stream of uh, video from the, from the Celebrating Locker Rooms that we just didn't get. And, uh, m- like, maybe it's because I don't have um, the NBC Washington local coverage out here but i feel um i feel like my appetite is not being being slaked by the content that's available what do you guys yeah
2: it's funny i I, it seems like everyone took the took took off and partied just like the team did um (laughs) i did watch i I did watch the nbc sports washington feed for a while uh from my computer up here and it was mostly uh the hosts and co-hosts and interviews with the players but but none of that stuff that we're yeah that we're craving. I, I too, Kevin, I saw that photo you mentioned. I thought where, but where is that Ovechkin interview? I didn't see it, and yeah, it's not up yet. So I imagine everyone is just uh, <laughs> just a partying, and they'll get around to it. And thankfully, we have the whole summer to just soak it all in and enjoy. And personally, I you know I have to admit I fantasized about this a bit uh, over the last few weeks of. The, the cool stuff that's going to be on NHL Network and and how we can follow the teams' uh, journeys with the cup and who brings it to which town and which restaurant and which bar and which you know national park or wherever they want to go I mean it's just going to be so much fun this summer to uh, to take this all in
1: You know one one bright side about playing Vegas in the finals is is you know that they've had an excessive amounts of like film crews there for whatever inevitable documentary they make about Vegas and um which is great vegas was it, like it's still a fantastic story but we're all going to benefit from that because they're going to have a lot of extra caps footage so uh I, i'm really hoping that we get to see a lot of great stuff here and um i do want us to get together and kind of briefly talk about the game guys so let, let's let's kind of just just hash through real real fast um i don't have a whole lot to say about the first period besides the fact that i i thought it was i thought it was good and uh, the Capitals players said before, kind of uh, before the game, and really in the two days leading up to it, that they thought they hadn't played their best game yet. And despite what a lot of people uh, said on Twitter during the first period and after, I thought the Capitals uh, played a pretty fantastic period. And uh, you know, they could have been up after the first, but I, I wasn't too upset with it being tied either. Uh, what do you think, uh, Stephen?
2: Yeah, I agree. I I don't feel like the, there was the uh, the onslaught in the first five minutes that we had seen in, uh, in Game 1 or even uh, in D.C. in Game 4. And there were moments that seemed a little hairy, but I, I feel like the Caps managed the puck well, and, they, and they, 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 they were doing what they had been doing defensively all series. And to go into the first intermission scoreless, I thought was a really great omen. I felt pretty confident after that intermission.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a very good road period uh, versus a team who, you know, their, their season was on the line. Um, I was surprised that Vegas didn't come out looking more energized and, and fast, more like the team we saw in, in Game 1. Um, so I, I thought the Caps really took care of business, and they could have been up. Um, Ovi OV hit a post. I didn't necessarily even think maybe it wasn't even even. I thought maybe even the cats had had the better of the play in the first, I think they doubled up Vegas and shots. Um, so this notion that, that the cats were lucky to get out of the first unscathed, I'm not, I'm not really sure, um, like what supporting evidence there was for that
1: gut feels. I don't know. Uh, um, so second period, I thought again, um, the long change has been, uh, has made games interesting. Um, You know, people talk a lot about what we could do to get scoring up in the NHL, and and the first thing I think I'd change is you'd make the long period uh, two periods rather than just one. But that's uh, a bit besides the point. I think we should talk a little bit about uh, Jacob Vrana using his legs to once again put himself in a position to score, but this time burying his chance to put the Capitals up 1-0. Kevin, what were your kind of thoughts about about Vrana heading into, you know, uh, a potential clinching game five and uh, what impressed you, what have you been impressed by relative to him uh in the playoffs
0: oh well, he's looked great i mean he's he's so fast his his speed makes such an incredible difference i don't know if there's anybody else on the team who's able to create the space for the clean look that he did i mean maybe kuznetsov if he gets that puck in stride um but there's not a lot of guys who who are just going to pull away like that. And I mean, how many pipes has he had? How many great opportunities has he created where the goalie made a good save or or maybe he ripped it wide? So for him to finally find that sweet spot was was awesome. Um, I love it when they rip it and they score and the puck just shoots right back out of the net. I just there's something about that that's so satisfying. Um, and he's just you know, he's got a permanent place in Caps history now. And uh, and I think that he's, I, earlier this year I said, I think that Jacob Rana is going to be a 25-goal scorer next year. And what I have seen from him this postseason and what he's probably done for his time on ice next year, I'm feeling like that prediction is is going to be true. So I'm really glad for him. He's one of my favorite players on the Caps. Um, yeah largely because of, of what I think the future holds for him. And uh, I was just so happy to see him get that moment.
2: I mean, we were talking about when he was going to be breaking out and that he was due and, and doing all the right things. And in and, and the biggest stage, at the biggest moment, just the dagger after uh, the scoreless game and just beating Flurry cleanly, like you said, Kevin, it was just such a beautiful shot uh, off the rush. And, I mean, the the, the stuff of true... Stanley Cup final highlights, and uh, and it really it really got them going. And then, of course, the drama couldn't couldn't you know the drama had to continue. So you needed to have Nate Schmidt involved in the scoring, uh, which happened soon later. And uh, but then Ovechkin doing you know what a Conn Smythe winner would do, drawing a penalty and scoring on the power play. Um, And things were looking a little bit, uh, things were looking pretty good there, but then uh, then Adam, I guess we, we got a little bit nervous there later in the second. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, we definitely did. All of a sudden, Vegas started getting all of the bounces, uh, something that they haven't really been getting at all uh, in this round against the Capitals. I mean, you you get tie-ups in front going in off of of random skates, then you have uh, again a tie-up in front with Juice taking out Vegas's uh, forward. I don't I don't remember which guy it was on the play. It was uh, it Peron. Yeah, Peron in front, and then just kind of uh, a dog pile brings Holpe down. Um, it, it's ruled that it was because of Juice's contact with Peron. Uh, no goaltender interference or incidental contact on the play, good goal. I think that's the right call. Um, and then that backbreaker with just a little bit of time left um, to put Vegas up 3-2 to two heading into the third period, I thought was pretty, uh, I mean, again, a bit of a broken play, but I, I was pretty demoralized heading into that intermission. Uh, what about you, Kevin?
0: Yeah, I was pretty crestfallen by that goal. Um, And I remained mad for most of the intermission. Uh, There was a sequence leading up to that goal that made it especially frustrating that involved Michael Kempney getting mauled uh, on the other end of the ice by um, a by a, a Vegas forward who didn't have a stick, so he just more or less resorted to tackling Kempany. Uh, then the puck went the other way, and Dmitry Orlov just could not handle a puck that didn't look particularly difficult. Um, easy for me to say, and I haven't seen a replay of that, but he ended up turning the puck over just inside his his blue line after mishandling it egregiously, which forced veteran to have to trip William Carlson, who was streaking towards the net. Uh, and then... The, the penalty kill for the first 90 seconds looked completely impenetrable. I mean, I don't think Vegas had a shot until all of a sudden everything broke down and um, Riley Smith, I believe, ended up scoring into that empty net. And so I was really, really upset that the Cats were going into the third down one. Um, but I also was thinking to myself, well, there was no goal scored in the first period, and then there were five in the second period. So this game is obviously a little wild, a little crazy, a little reminiscent of Game One. I'm pretty confident that the Caps are going to get at least one here in the third. It's going to be on them to to keep the puck out of their own net. But I don't. I I believe that they were going to be able to score, um, and and if. If they were able to keep Vegas Vegas off the board, that that things were going to look good, and obviously um, that's what happened. But we'll talk about the third period here in a minute. How about you, Pat?
2: You know, one thing that was interesting to me, and you mentioned Kennedy getting mauled, is the game really got chippy, particularly in that sequence and that stretch of, of, of the contest. And I remember, well, I mean, remember when when I was uh, listening to to all of all that I could all that I could eat in the (laughs) pregame chatter that, uh, hearing, uh, when I first heard that Ryan Reeves was going to be swapped for William Carrier. And I thought that doesn't seem like that. That seems like a desperation move. And it seems like the wrong move because as much as, you know, we have our feelings about Ryan Reeves, he was a really effective impactful player for this series and and series prior. And I just, I was sort of puzzled by that. And I understand the, the need for speed and to try to change things up and, but that, you know, arguably was their, their fourth line was their best line. He was part of it, and I thought, well, maybe this game won't be so chippy. And it turned out to be, uh, you know, e- even more so in that respect. And that was the part that was frustrating. I thought, wow, you know, this all points to the Caps being able to really assert their, their physical play and, and dominate this game. And, it, and at that point in the game, it wasn't happening. So, you know, I was pretty nervous um, until – uh, we saw that Bobby orr like goal from Devontae Smith-Pelly.
1: I mean, that goal was uh, was a big deal. I mean, Devontae Smith-Pelly has done a lot of great things in this, these playoffs. Um, timely goals are, I mean, that's what gets guys paid. So, good on him. Uh, he's going to be a very happy camper, um, whether that be in Washington or somewhere else. Uh, head into next season, so got to got to be happy for him. That 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 was a huge goal, and the Capitals really needed it.
0: Hey, can I so on that? Can I float a topic for discussion here? Yeah, man. S- so in in Capitals history, the goal that is best remembered for its optics is obviously Alexander Ovechkin' the goal back against uh, Phoenix, where he's on his back and he slides the puck in behind. I don't even remember who the goaltender was. Uh, Boucher, um, I think. Was it Boosh? I think so. We got a who uh, was there last night in a different capacity. Um, but anyway, everybody knows the goal. Alex Ovechkin. Um, I think when you consider stakes, um, that Evgeny Kuznetsov in overtime against Pittsburgh might be the most memorable goal in Capitals history now, and it's it's got a, a nice uh, spot in the the intro for this podcast. So when you consider optics and stakes. DSP's goal there has to be, you know, in the conversation for for like biggest and and best caps goal of all time, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a tremendous play, all in one motion, to basically knocking the puck out of midair, kicking it to a stick as he's going down, pulling it around Flurry, and making no mistake. I mean, there's so many. Just to see, some, I mean, I was impressed when Oshie did something similar in Game Four, but that that was on a completely different level. And by the way, my favorite Ovechkin goal for optics is the one where he uh, twirls around, uh, passes the puck to himself through hammer like a Yeah, game yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a well. great. Yeah, that was, I that, was, was that was better. But but that but I, I yeah, you might be right. Um, it, it I mean, they're not where they are if not for that goal, clearly, and. It was a trem- not only timely but just a tremendous display of skill, unbelievable. Uh, it, it was,
1: and uh, I think the thing that might move it up high, like really high in that list, is the situation. But I, I think uh, I, I gotta go with Kuznetsov's game six goal against uh, the Penguins. Um, you know, that was the demon, right? That that had to be exercised. Um, maybe without that goal, the, the Penguins get one and the Capitals lose. Uh, game seven at home, you know, and we're, we've been off for a month, (laughs) and we're all kind of sour, right, and instead we have... We're talking about rink wraps. Exactly, yeah, we're talking rink wraps right now, if not for, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, if not for that Kuznetsov goal, and um, so I'm going to keep that as as my number one, but it's really hard to to have anything again i mean that was just such a great goal last night by Devonte smith belly and then we got to see a third line get rewarded just a little bit later um with what was again uh, just just a nice play from a line that has been fantastic in in this entire round and really was good in the la- latter parts of uh round uh, three as well
0: and, and Stringham's boy, Andre Burakovsky, now has a secondary assist on the most important goal in Caps history, the cup-winning goal. And we know that, that String has a special place in his heart for that, and probably a special place in his pants now, too.
1: <laughs> you know, um, I, I thought Andre Burakovsky was going to be an important part of the Capitals' uh, three-scoring line approach. Um, I didn't think it would be on the third line. But um, I think it's worked out really, really well for both the team and for him uh, to kind of have him where, where, where he is right now. He's a guy that, that's got that dynamic skill set, and when he's on, he is a fantastic hockey player, and we, we, he really has been great um, since, I guess, Game 7 against Tampa Bay. He, he had a jump in his step, he felt good, and, and he's... I, I really don't have anything negative to say about any of the guys on the roster right now, given that they won the Cup, but... Um, he he's been fantastic, and I guess it really started in game six against Tampa when he uh had that he had a solid game there. So really happy for him. But I'm more happy for Alex Ovechkin than anybody else right now. I mean that that I've wanted to see him do that forever. Um, all right. So before I don't want to get too uh, too caught up there. Let's finish just a recap here. What do you guys think about uh, Vegas's last push? Um, I kind of didn't think they had anything. What about you, Pep?
2: No, I I expected more. Um, I really, it it felt like the game was over after Eller's goal. I I really, I had expected more of a push. I would expected some some craziness. And God, certainly after Baxter missed the empty net, uh, I thought, uh uh-oh, uh, <laughs> I could not, I I could could not, not believe,
0: believe that we missed
2: that. Yeah. Just yeah. Unreal. And but but we but they really locked it down, or rather, you know, maybe it was nerves I, on the part of Vegas try, I, I, who knows? I mean they everyone tried their hardest, I'm sure, but it I it, 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 it I was not that nervous other than seeing facts from Miss the Empty Net. I, I felt like after Eller put it in the back of the net, uh, it it was uh, it was over
0: i mean the the clock disappearing gave me more of a fright than vegas ever did (laughs) yeah yeah i kind of i I I forgot about that are you kidding me yeah that was unreal they didn't they didn't look they just didn't look dangerous i mean i thought that they looked like they, they had had their spirits crushed a little bit and then when they took the lead i'm thinking to myself oh wow um they they mustered something up here that I didn't think that they had. But even like the shots on the bench um, during this game, and and in the interviews leading up to it, I mean, a guy like William Carlson, who's so important to that team's success, he all, he just seems so, like, just despondent. And I don't know if that's just his personality or or what. But I was, I just got the sense that 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 their spirits are crushed, and uh, they just didn't seem to be able to muster anything here. that the, the Caps looked like a team that was ready to win and Vegas looked like a team that was ready to lose and, and that's what happened.
2: Yeah, I was listening to, I don't remember which day it was on Hockey Central and they were talking about, and, you know, who, who I mean, obviously none of us know what got into the minds of the players, but, but one of the co-hosts had mentioned that, you know, there's always this possibility of going to Game 5 for Vegas that they think, well, We've really accomplished so much. This is really wonderful. It's been a tremendous success. The whole city is on board. We moved through the tragedy. We were carried by this team. It distracted us. It brought us together. It was just an incredible run. And let's celebrate that and, you know, kind of give it to the Caps. Not, not in that way, but just sort of accepting that this is what it is and we're going to play our best. But, you know, we've already done – so much we've already accomplished, you know. Let's just have our fans here to send us off, and 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 uh, you know we'll 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 do it all again next year. You got to have something to strive for, right? I mean, if they win the cup in the first year, it's only downhill after that. <laughs> as we all know.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel a little bad for uh, for Vegas just because. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have it any other way than how it ended up, but you know, I, I don't think they're going to be back. Again, right? Right. I mean, uh, everyone on that team had a career year. Um, I mean, I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're they're as good a, a, as they played. Um, you know, Mark Andre Fleur with a 9.45 save percentage through the first three rounds of the playoffs. Um, yeah. But uh, enough about that. Yeah. I, I thought it was. I thought I thought it was very classy by uh, George McPhee. I don't know if you guys caught it, but he he did a little, uh, few minute talk with uh, Joe B. Um, on Comcast or NBC Sports Washington, rather, um, kind of after saying you know some positive things about the Caps and and, and you know saying he was happy for O V and and he did a good job not sounding too bitter. So uh, I feel pretty bad for for the guy, but the you know two sides of the coin. And uh, there was nothing better for me than seeing Ovechkin and Backstrom get to celebrate their first Stanley Cup. Um, what was your yeah. guys' favorite part of the celebration? You
2: mentioned yeah. Well, you know, what I wanted to say, uh, since you mentioned McPhee and talking about the third line, is going into the series, there was a lot of chatter about McPhee basically built both of these teams and look at all the players that he drafted or uh, signed. And, you know, some of the guys we've been talking about already that have had, you know, this team would be nowhere that near where it is now without, you know, we mentioned Devontae Smith-Pelly. who was a project pickup by McClellan. T.J. Oshie that McClellan traded for. Lars Eller, Michael Kempney, who he picked up at the deadline here, Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskanen when he first took the job, Brett Connolly. I mean, all these guys, sure, it was Ovechkin and Backstrom, but, uh, you know, as we like to say, anybody would have picked Ovechkin. Um, Backstrom maybe was a little bit of a choice, but you needed a center. So, you know, McClellan really had, uh, you know, I, I think a, a majority hand in crafting the the actual Stanley Cup roster.
1: Yeah. Um, si- and, and all
2: those
0: guys that you mentioned you know, had played a huge role, right? Yep. I think that you can make an argument that the role players were the difference between this team and and, and teams of years past.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess so, right? But, I mean, this, this Capitals team, well, yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, if Daniel Winnick finishes a couple of those chances last year against Pittsburgh, Caps might have won that series still, right? But...
0: Um, all in all, I'm I mean, not saying that I, I'm not saying I am making that argument, but I'm saying that <laughs> if, if I were to, undertake if that you, argument, you were to make, make it the argument, be that challenging. No,
1: no. I mean, I don't, I don't think it'd be, it'd be that hard. Um, I mean, to me, the biggest thing has been, uh, or the reason the Capitals were able to win this time was they got everything rolling at once, right? You had your top player scoring, you had the occasional depth goal and you had goaltending. Um, the Capitals have never been able to put all the pieces together at once. And, and luck. And luck, which is... The Capitals were banking it, right, for all these years. And, uh, you know, it, 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 if that was how it worked, then, then then maybe they do have something to Maybe next year is possible if they've still got all that luck banked up. Because, uh, But they definitely... I, I couldn't be happier right now, guys. And uh, I'm really glad that we got the... You know, kind of, kind of, all watch this and, and recap it together throughout this uh, this Stanley Cup playoffs. So yeah, so I,
2: I, go ahead, Pat. go ahead, Kevin.
0: No, I was I was just going to um, make sure that we brought up Barry Trotz and the potential for him to ride into the sunset, a la John Elway. Yeah. Um But but that's that's like a whole nother can of worms. Uh, probably could honestly be a podcast onto it, unto itself.
1: Well, I think we, should talk, we yeah we just talk a little bit. I feel like um, you know we, we do have some time. Like I know I know Pep not got too much more time, but talk about um, real fast. You know the the two biggest you know free agents for the Capitals, which are John Carlson and Barry Trotz, right? So uh, real fast. I don't want to get too much into it. Do you guys think that they'll be back with the team? One, neither, both. Uh, starting with you, Steven?
2: Um, I think if, if, if you know, it's tough to see how the numbers will shake out, but I, I think there's a pretty good chance that we'll see both back. Um, I mean, you know, winning is contagious and or something like that, or, or addictive maybe is what I wanted to say. And yeah. Carlson having seen this and gone through it, you know, is thinking, wow, um, yeah, there are a lot of other places I could go to, but if I come back, uh, you know, we don't know about Jay Beagle. Um, we, we don't know about Michael Kemney, Devontae Smith-Pelly. I mean, there are some questions, but, but it, it's possible that most of this group could come back together, and who knows? Um, and, and Barry Trotz, you know, I, I don't see another position at the moment that he would, you know, that seems more attractive. And one speculation was that he might hold out for Seattle, uh, but that would mean having a year off and, or a year and a half off maybe, uh, so, you know, again, he might have had a thought about it before winning the cup and now having gone through this and still celebrating Uh, maybe his mind's going to change in a couple of months and or weeks and like mcclellan said He signed through july 1st, so he doesn't have to decide now Um, you know, I could I could definitely see them both coming back
0: So my my if I had to guess I would say they're going to bring carlson back Um, and that barry's not coming back mm-hmm. my my instinct for this whole run has been that Barry was going to go his own way after this regardless of outcome. Now, I think that definitely would have happened had they not won the Cup. All of a sudden you win the Cup and everything's a little bit different. And you had Mac going on on record last night saying, hey, his contract's up in July, he just won a Cup. If he wants to be back, he'll be back. Now, who knows how much of that was Mac just... Being in the moment and, and saying what he said versus what he he actually wants, which might be um, to hire his own coach for the first time in his tenure as a GM. Um, but my instinct has always been this is this is Barry's last hurrah, and I still wouldn't be surprised to to just see him go. Hey guys, it was great, glad we got to lift the cup together, um, but I'm ready to move on to the next to the next. Well, and who knows what that is? It might be a year off. For him to spend with his family, it might be um, trying to build from from the ground up in 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 uh, for the Islanders organization or for a new organization in Seattle or maybe a transition to the to a more front office role. Um, you know, I don't know, but if I had to if I had to put money on it, I would put money on on Barry not being back.
1: That that's interesting. Um, I hadn't really thought about until you mentioned it kind of uh, relative to McClellan kind of uh, saying what he did about Barry, but uh, it could also be like posturing in a way, right? Like it's a safe face thing. Uh, um, like if, if if Barry decides not to come back, it's now because Barry didn't want to come back. It's not because, you know, Mac didn't want him, right? So, right, um, yeah. which, I, which I think is pretty interesting. But um, I I think the thing I was most wrong about this year was – uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, I, I did not think that he was a coach that could win the Stanley Cup with with this team. I didn't think that he um, was w- would be comfortable relying on his young players enough to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, I, part of it was probably circumstance, but other part of it was was probably growth. Um, Barry Trotz made good decisions. Uh, he he took a risk deciding to play philip grubauer to start the playoffs um while that decision didn't work out i think it was a sign of his growth as a coach um absolutely agree yeah so i i I, I would be really happy to see see barry come back the only guy i'd feel bad for in that situation is uh todd reardon because um yeah yeah, because
2: i I, I, you got to believe the capitals
1: essentially promised him that job um
2: well, so you know, to to the point about growth, and this is going to sound like a therapy session here, but Trotz did say, you know, last summer I, I had uh, I don't know how he how he phrased it, but said that you know he had a change in perspective and and there was a, there was a relaxation uh, with with him and then you know with the organization where uh, there's just so much clenching <laughs> about when 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 it was time to to get it done. And, you know, everyone had built up the roster, everyone built up the expectations, this is gonna be the year, no, the following year is gonna be the year, the president's trophy, all of this stuff, all this weight. And finally it seemed like Trotz just kinda of said uh, you know, he said something like, I'm not gonna judge some you know, I'm not gonna judge myself by results, you know, I'm just gonna to try to do the right thing and 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 trust the process and all these other phrases and and it, you know, the sort of letting go, in a way, seemed to work out. There's a funny T-shirt that goes around here in the uh, NYC Caps crew, although it'll be retired now, that said, Zero Cups, Zero Fucks. And I thought it was a great shirt, and it really sort of summed up for me this kind of idea of letting go. Like, okay you know, maybe we'll never win. So what? You know, we, we, we've had good teams. We've had good fun. This has been great. Our team is tight. You know, we do things the right way. We have a good culture and let's just go out there and play. And, and somehow that, that seemed to work, you know, who who knows what actually went on in the locker room, who knows what went on during that stretch where they lost those two blowout road games in Nashville and Colorado and sort of turned things around then who knows, but there was a, you know, Trotz himself seems so much more relaxed this time around. I don't know what it was, you know, what changed for him. And that was seemed to be all that we talked about last summer was, you know, how he got really uptight and he would make these crazy decisions like seven defensemen and benching Brett Connolly. And, and yeah, he made the right decisions this this, this season. And he trusted his young players, like you said. And, and it was just a totally different approach, which is amazing. It, it's amazing. It's a testament to perseverance. Uh and, and it just it's just such a great life affirming story, I mean I have to say. Yeah, it's
1: um I don't know guys, it's pre- it's pretty special. I'm really glad that uh things worked out uh, how you they saw- did. You've like, sold me-, you me pep. That sounds yeah. like a
0: better Hollywood script than
1: than the Vegas story. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, it's uh, <laughs> You right. should move to LA. you should
0: move to LA. Yeah, you're in the wrong profession.
1: Yeah. Um guys that that I think Now's probably a pretty good time to wrap it up here uh, for, for our, our last uh, recap of the season. And, and we get to recap an episode that the uh, recap, an episode, recap a game where the Capitals won and it's the last game of the entire uh, pl- really the whole year for the first time ever. The Capitals played the last game of the year and won. So that's pretty special. Guys, uh, anyone have any like big last thoughts here? Starting with you, uh, Kevin?
0: Um... If you find really awesome merchandise, show it to me on Twitter. Email it to me. I want to buy it. Definitely. suggests so I am outsourcing my my caps shopping to all the listeners of Japers Rink Radio. Just just share with me what you got, and I will add that shit to cart.
2: Awesome. He's but not joking. No, I second yeah. That. Ser- seriously. I, I, yeah. I also well, I just want to make two quick points. One was. It was so incredible and heartwarming to see so many Caps fans at, in Vegas, and it seemed to, for me, come full circle to where back in 1998 there was so much red at the then MCI Center because of the Detroit Red Wing fans that had taken over the building, and it, you know it was it was just so awesome to see so much Capital support uh, on the road and for this first Cup victory. And the other thing that I thought was kind of neat about, in the, the the same vein of coming full circle, was. In the beginning of the Ovechkin era, we talked about how, or not we, because this was <laughs> before Jay Berserk radio even. But a lot of the commentary and criticism was that these are the, the the young guns, and particularly Ovechkin and Backstrom and Mike Green, and I don't remember who else was implicated in all this. The suggestion that they were just out partying during the playoffs, and that's why they lost that game in Mon- that series against Montreal in 2010, and you know, they did, just didn't didn't have the maturity, didn't have it together. And and here we are, Ovechkin winning the cup in w- one of the biggest party cities in the world, and it just it just seems fitting. It just seems right. It's it's a great it's it's a great story.
0: And, and just to go back to your earlier point, it wasn't just the the Caps fans who traveled, though they were absolutely excellent. The scenes from D.C. were beyond what I would have ever even imagined that city looking like. Just the streets were just. Completely red, and the aerial shots were. I mean, there was more people there for the inauguration. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are Are either of you guys gonna be be, be down for the uh, for the parade?
0: It depends what we get scheduled for. I've got some um, unavoidable work stuff that I scheduled and secured budget for long ago, and uh, it would be a bad look for me to skip that to attend the parade. Even though that's all I want.
2: Yeah, yeah. What about What about you, Pep? Yeah, me too. I, it's got to be. It's, it's got to fit into the schedule. But man, I really want to come, and and uh, it's it, it's 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 not to be missed. But w- one way or another, I'll either get down to that, or uh, you know, for sure, see a banner raising in the fall.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, guys. Well, uh, I know we'll we'll be talking again soon. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll we'll have a lot more to talk about, kind of as. Uh, the media clips start coming out. We actually kind of get to see everything, maybe get a better idea of what Kuznetsov's injury was, and uh, maybe build up the narrative a bit more and, and, and truly overtake that Vegas script. Uh, maybe the Caps will get their own 30-for-30, 30 30, something like that. That'd be pretty cool. So, uh, nice. And the draft is coming. <laughs> and the draft is coming, which uh, Philip Grubauer will... will might maybe dealt so uh on behalf of myself steven pepper and kevin klein thank you so much to all of our listeners for uh sticking with us through this championship run uh we really appreciate you guys taking the time to to listen to us for uh each and every episode obviously uh the playoffs has been uh our best driver for uh our, our audience really ever so thanks a lot guys and uh hopefully you'll stick with us in the summer and heading into next year thanks again for listening we to do this. it
2: family follow us follow us on Twitter
1: follow us on Twitter I mean yeah definitely follow on Twitter for these merchandise recommendations Kevin's sick unbelievable Um, Pepper Steven Pepper NY and I'm Stringham A uh, and always Jabers Rink Radio if you guys uh, we we weren't joking about the merchandise stuff guys seriously let us know (laughs) alright